Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm, and we have a very special guest today. Uh, you guys have probably been reading his work with the Buffs Roundup. Comes out every week breaking down what's going on around CU Athletics, not just the football team, which is all I really focus on. Uh, ben Girding, BSN, oh, nope, DNVR Buffs intern. Uh, and you're about to see a lot more of him, hear a lot more of him, read more of his stuff. How's it going, Ben? Going good. Uh, I'm really excited to get onto the podcast for the first time and talk all things buffs. Oh, yeah. You ever been on a podcast before? I have not. It's really hard. I can tell. Yes. Yeah, so, so definitely be scared of all of this. Um, people on the internet are going to hate everything you say. So <laughs> just So just a heads up there. Be ready for that. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the basketball team. Ben's about to drop his season preview for the buffs. I'm super excited to read it. I actually haven't yet, uh, even though I was going to before we started, but... You know, things happen. Um, and we're also going to dig into all of your questions. We got a whole bunch of responses on Twitter. We got stuff on DNVR's website. And for Ben's first podcast, I figured we should uh, let him see what the internet can do for us. But before we get into that, I do want to tell you a little bit more about drift car sharing. Um, what you need to know is that basically you park your car at the drift car sharing lot that's like five minutes away from the airport and they bus you over and then they rent your car out and give you money. So you park for free, they give you money, they insure your car so it's safe, they also clean your car. It's a great deal. You can also like rent a car through them, no under 25 feet if you're like me and Ben. Ben, college student at CU by the way, so Scobuffs. we're going to be learning a lot more about him going forward. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's it. If you want more information, go to drivedrift.com. Uh, great partner, great service. Check them out. Okay. Uh, digging into basketball. Let's just start here. Uh, how excited are you about this basketball team? I'm really excited. I think there's a lot of things to look forward to on this team in particular for this season uh, that I think Buffs fans haven't seen in years past. And so with that being said, uh, I mean, there's so much to dig into. So I think we're going to start off and talk a little bit about the ex uh, exhibition game uh, last yeah. weekend. Um, first things first, not many takeaways should be taken away from this outing. The first things first is the team did shoot very well from the floor. And that's something that can be taken away because it's going to travel well. Uh, and that's something that's kind of standalone from the opponent. They shot 47.1% on the floor and including 33.3% from deep. Uh, and that last number is pretty important because it's something Coach Tad Boyle has been stressing in the offseason, trying to improve their scoring from outside uh, the arc. And so that's something to kind of keep focus on as this team increases uh, the amount of scores they have. Yeah, and we'll see whether that actually does stick. You know, the the talk has been that it's improving, that Shane Gatling can take that next step and be a consistent shooter, that Maddox Daniels, who they bring in, is maybe their best shooter on the team right now. And so when you bring those guys in and, I mean, let them do what they can probably do, you could see how that the, the team could just naturally improve. Like, you don't have to worry about all these other things. Like, they have the same team that they had before. They can do all the same things that they did before. Plus, maybe they can shoot a little bit, bit better. Um one guy who really stood out to me and probably stood out to anybody who was watching that game, especially the first couple minutes, Evan Batty. Evan Batty. And like you're saying, like it's D3 guys. Like, sure, he should be able to push him around. He's bigger. He's stronger. There's a reason he's playing Pac-12 basketball instead of playing for Pomona Pitzer. But 
how great did he look in that game? He looked great, and it was also a great sign because he shows he's building off of what he did last year. Uh, for those of you who might not have been able to catch the game, five for six from the floor, uh, six point, or I'm sorry, six rebounds, three six, and thirteen points. He really just showed his dominance, and that was something that we saw glimpses of last year. Uh, but hopefully, that his game is able to show that he's going to keep building upon that moving forward. And he's seriously like one of my favorite people on the team as well. Like. You, you know how like stands some players like first of all kind of like Aaron Maddox before everything <laughs> changed but but I've had like guys who I've just been like yeah I, I like you I like what you do Evan Batty so far like as a recent Buffs follower Buffs basketball follower he's the guy who I key in on and I'm just like huh just a big lovable guy he's funny he's smart and then also he's great at basketball absolutely oh it's it's been a blast watching him play and it almost felt like the first time they subbed him off in that game. It was almost just to do Pomona Pitzer a favor. Absolutely. Like, he was just tearing them apart, and Tad was just thinking, like, you know what? We, we see that he can do this. Everybody knows. Let's try to play some basketball instead of just let Evan Batty feast on these defenders who can't handle him. Right. In an exhibition game where you're trying to get a look at all your players, Evan Batty showed very quickly that you know what you have in him. He is going to be a force down low. And I think the other attribute that can't be measured on a stat sheet is just his emotion and the heart that he plays exactly. with. Exactly. It's it's incredible. I know everyone here probably knows the story of him uh, with the stroke a couple years back. Uh, but just talking more recently, the last basketball game of the season last year at home in Boulder, um, I had the opportunity to go. I was in the student section, and we stormed the court. And I'll never forget, as soon as we got on the court, I turn around and I just see Evan Batty screaming his head off in excitement. Uh, he had a great game, and it's just it's moments like that that get me excited to see what he can do into the future. Yeah, well, and then you see him storming the field after the Nebraska game. Absolutely, and putting the, yeah. Putting that on Twitter. I don't know. Like, he is just such an emotional part. You see him at every soccer game as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I suck at taking pictures, which is too bad, but I almost got a great picture of him, like, giving Taylor Korniak a high five and, like, the high five line when she's running into halftime. Like, he is just everywhere. He's a great energy. I really think that he kind of counters McKinley Wright's energy. And Absolutely. the two of them kind of combine to be the core of this basketball team where McKinley is that I mean, warrior mentality. Like, we are going out there. We are going to beat them down. We are, da, 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 you know? Right, right. Like, he has that killer instinct that you need in a basketball team. And you need in your best player. Mm -hmm. And Evan Batty can be that more calming, calming presence. Right. And, and I think especially with this team moving forward. Uh, obviously, this is one of the deepest teams that Colorado's seen in a long time. But with that being said, uh, there is a little bit of not necessarily nerves, but expectation that we might be losing some of these guys moving forward. Obviously, Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright um, are leading this squad, and we are also graduating Shane Gatling. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see who steps up in a leadership role moving forward, and I definitely expect Evan Batty to kind of take on that role. Yeah, and, and it just feels like the personality of this team will shift when that happens. Absolutely. And, and not necessarily in a bad way. You know, I really do like the blend this year. We all know that this has kind of been the year that things have been building toward in terms of Colorado basketball, where you have pretty much everybody back. You have your top nine guys probably back this season. Throw in a couple more. Let everybody gain more experience. And just the way that the the vibe of the team stands currently, it's going to be tough to to match that in the future. And we don't need to get down right now and talk about <laughs> what happens after a piece. This is an exciting moment, but <laughs> yeah, but 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 you can just see where all of this is blending in the way that you want it to. And I mean, again, like I I just feel like through this whole thing, all you can say is there's no reason this team can't win a Pac-12 title. There's no reason this team can't be one of the best in the country. I just want to keep continuously knocking on wood until the end of this season, hoping nothing bad happens and it all just works out the way it looks like it should work out. Right. And knocking on wood is important because we saw what injuries in particular can do to a team uh, like Colorado last year, losing Dallas Walton. It hurt. Evan Batty is a great force down low, but he's not a seven footer like Walton. Nope. He had some jump hooks uh, in, in that exhibition game that were, it just immediately showed like Walton is back. And it's going to be great because we actually have a rotation now down low because we struggled last year uh, with Seward and uh, Batty. There wasn't a whole lot of strength down low other than them and, of course, Tyler Bay. Uh, so looking ahead, having that extra piece back is going to be really important. And also looking at when McKinley Wright went down last year with that shoulder injury, um, the offense did not look the same. And he came back quicker than he probably should have. But with that being said, it, it – I believe it might have been only one or two games, but it was kind of painful to watch them try and run the floor without McKinley Wright. So knowing 
that we have more depth behind them now. And again, like you said, knocking on wood that we can carry this all the way through the, the end of the season. Yeah. And you know, I'm pretty sure McKinley even said that he, he admitted I was not myself when I got back, but now I am back. And again, I, everything is just pointing in the right direction for Colorado. And that is the number one takeaway with this team. One of the problems with bringing everybody back, though, is that you aren't opening up any minutes for, for the younger players who might be ready for a little bit bigger role, for the transfers who come in, uh, for Dallas Walton coming back from injury. Who do you see as guys who may have to figure out how to handle a lesser role on this squad this season? Well, I think first thing, since we've been talking about him so much, I will address Evan Batty. I do not see him starting off in a starting role. I um, think that's fair. In the beginning of the season, just because you have Tyler Bay, who's already getting looks as a top NBA prospect, as well as Dallas Walton kind of anchoring uh, the uh, the front court there. There's not a whole lot of room, like you said. So I think Evan Batty, as well as Lucas Seward, are going to be guys that are coming off the bench, but with that being said, still getting meaningful minutes. Uh, when you move into the backcourt, I would... Obviously, McKinley Wright is going to be your number one guy. Yep. And Shane Gatling at the two is, again, like we said, going to be looking to uh, keep working on that three-pointer and give them kind of that role of just hang out on the outside of the arc, uh, sit up kind of like a Kyle Korver perspective for okay. this team. Yeah, I like it. I like and, it. And then you look at Deshaun Schwartz. He's looked great in the offseason from what I've seen, and he was a starter last year. I do not see that changing. So obviously then you've got Dalen Koontz, you've got Evan Batty, Lucas Seward, as well as guys that were getting minutes last year like Eli Parquet and Alexander Strotting that are now looking at, you know, kind of on the outside looking in as far as the lineup. And, and you know, I don't want to call this good news, but – the, the truth is, this is a long basketball season. You know, we're taping this on a Thursday night. Buff's first game is what, Saturday? Next Saturday? Friday. Friday oh, next Friday. In, in China. The China time change. I'm going to blame that. I don't know how it works, so whatever. Uh, but but so they start here beginning of November, play all through November, play all through December, play all through January, all through February, through March, hopefully, and the end of the season is early April if you're one of the best teams in college basketball. Over that time frame, there will be injuries as much as you hate to think about it at some point you know what pretty much everybody i mean we have the numbers pulled up they had what one two three four guys five guys playing every game last year that's not a lot pretty much everybody's going to miss a game or two here or there and that's that's all right if you're a team like colorado where you have that depth where somebody can step up fill that role and sure mckinley right he misses a game disappointing irreplaceable but they're in a much better situation than most other teams would be. Absolutely. It's a situation that they haven't found themselves in in what feels like a long time. Um, Henry, like you stated before, I am a student here, so and I'm actually from Ohio. So I haven't okay. been following the Buffs as long as some of our listeners might be. But Longer in, than me. In, in the time <laughs> that I've been watching, I, I've never felt so excited about a team just because of the benefit that they gain from this depth, which is a rotation. I mean, last year you saw them maybe cycle through one or two guys at most in a game. And it was painful to watch as a former basketball player because, I mean, they're gassed out there. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, you love the game, but having this benefit of being able to cycle through and have an entire second unit is something that may not jump off the page immediately as the best attribute of this Colorado team. But when you get into February, or January and February, when you're getting into the heart of those Pac-12 conference games, it's going to be very important. It's going to be so important. Okay, uh, let's wrap up the basketball talk with this. How how excited should we be about this team? Uh, what what is your expectation for this team? I mean, is is it Pac-12 title or bust at this point? I think it has to be just because, like you said before, this is what this year has been building towards. We've been talking about this year in particular for at least two or three years now as when this team is going to come together, it's going to culminate, and it's going to be this fantastic, greatest show on turf on the basketball court. And mm -hmm. if, if you know you don't deliver and deliver a conference title, it's hard to call it a successful season. Now, with that being said, I don't think anyone is going to have any complaints when we see this team go to the NCAA tournament, which I think should be a floor for this team at a minimum. But it will still be a disappointment if we don't see the Buffs make a decent, deep run in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, it's kind of this weird thing where, sure, going to the going to the NCAA tournament is a win. That's that's more than you can ask for for this Buffs basketball program. You know, it doesn't happen all that often, or at least it hasn't recently. With Tad Boyle at coach, you're kind of wondering if this is the ceiling. 
you know, if, if what he can do with this team is the very best that Colorado basketball can achieve under him. I, I mean, if they don't make the tournament, I think there's a decent chance that this is his last year in Boulder. And and he's kind of hit that point where 10 years in, it's it's tough to part with a guy. You really need a reason to part with a guy. I do think, though, that this kind of is the best that Tad Boyle can do. I don't think that he can recruit better here. I don't think that he can win more games than he wins this season. And so I think that for him, this is going to kind of be that referendum that we've been waiting for where it's, okay, you said this is it, this is it. Is is this school one that can produce a round of 32, a sweet 16, an elite eight appearance? And if not, is is this a situation where we say, okay, we, we saw what Tab Oil can do. We're willing to take that risk and see if we can bring in somebody who might be able to bring in somebody else, you know, really transition this program into something else. And that's going to be the underlying storyline to all of this. Kind of the, the the elephant in the room is this is Tad Boyle. This is this is peak Tad Boyle. What happens? It's never a good like situation to have to end terms with a long tenured coach, like you said. But I mean, there there comes a point when you need to take a realistic look at what this Buffs team is, and it has to be the most talent that he's had in a roster in at least any of my recent memory. Uh, just making one recent Cincinnati sports reference. Uh, Love th- those. They the Bearcats themselves, great regular season basketball team, consistent twenty to twenty two win team. Never ever can make it past the first weekend in the NCAA tournament. And you saw Mick Cronin, who is one of the best coaches in their history, get fired in this offseason because he just failed to produce. And so that's ultimately what it comes down to. Uh, final thoughts on it at this point. I would expect great things, though. Yep, I think so. And we definitely want to end this segment on a high point instead of the, the darkness that I brought us into. But yeah, I mean, this team is the Buffs' best shot to win a Pac-12 title, to, to make an NCAA tournament run that... The school is seen in quite a long time. I, I'm really excited to follow along. Uh, Ben's going to be helping out a lot in our Buffs basketball coverage, so be ready for that. Uh, we have a lot of questions. Like I said, we went to Twitter, got a bunch of responses, and we're going to start digging into those here in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you about this cool thing that Breckenridge Brewery is doing uh, pretty soon. So they're calling it opening day, never summer. It's... it's uh, I honestly have not read this before. So here, here's what's happening. From 6 to 11 p.m. at the Punch Bowl so- Social in Denver, Colorado. That's actually like three blocks from where I live, by the way. So you can catch me there. Uh, do I have a date? I don't. We're going to work on a date. Uh, snow is in the air and the mountains are calling our name. Time to party about it. This year, Denver Legends, the Gin Doctors, okay, will be crushing our favorite 90s hits. And you get the chance to take the stage and rock out with them. As in live band 90s karaoke okay that's pretty cool uh stay tuned for the sign up some other cool stuff going down chances to win this year's artist series all mountain snowboard designed by jamie molina chances to win an epic pass for the season a premiere never summer industries film premiere outside on a giant led screen there's a free board and ski waxing by 720 board shop uh beer beer and more beer is how that's written uh summoning oler uh, I think that's the name of a band, and getting ready for a season of Shred. Uh, more info on opening day and other ways to win this year's Artist Series Snowboard, check out breckbrew.com slash opening day. And I definitely did not copy and paste the date into my notes, so I'm pulling that up for you now. Uh, November 9th. Uh, so I'm not sure. So that must be a Sunday because I'm pretty sure the Buffs play. That's a, no, a that's Saturday. a Saturday. That's the Stanford Next game. Saturday. That's a Stanford game. Uh, but after the Stanford game, which I believe is like a 12:30, one o'clock kickoff, we can all head down to Denver together for what sounds like an awesome event. Uh, free live 90s karaoke. Dope. Okay. Also, before we jump back in, I want to tell you about uh, the special that's going on at Total Beverage. You know I love Total Beverage. I stopped there yesterday. I stopped there plenty of days. Uh, 30% off your order of $75 or more if you use the code uh, DNVR2019. Um, If you haven't heard, Total Bev also delivers to pretty much everywhere. Lakewood to Boulder, Aurora to Brighton. Uh, And they have super low prices before you even get your 30% off. They have CBD products, um, drinks, gummies, any CBD product you could want. Definitely hit them up so that you can save 30% on your order of $75 or more 
and that's with the code DNVR2019. You should definitely get it delivered too. Okay, uh, so here's where we're going now. Uh, like I said, we have Twitter questions. We also have questions from the website for subscribers. And since we like them better than the rest of you, we will go there first. Uh, Silverbuff says, I didn't hear you mention it, but I think it's worth saying. The majority of schools aren't making profit off of their players. Most athletic departments operate at a loss. The big profits are going to the NCAA, TV deals, etc. So I'll start this off by saying, yes, most athletic departments lose money. But also... Most football programs, or I don't know about most, a lot of football programs make money and that kind of pays for the rest and maybe they come up short. And so that's where you're going to see a lot of the money going is to those football programs, to those football players. How much money it is, who knows how it's all going to work out. Um, I'm going to get all your takes on this in a second, Ben, but we have another a response to this and we're going to get through that and then we'll start talking about the NIL stuff, which I love. Uh, see what Folsom says. The number of, of athletic departments showing an operating loss is incredibly misleading, though. Oh, this is for many reasons, but mostly it's an accounting thing. First, private universities don't have to report anything, so we can only include public universities in this category. Second, public universities, athletic departments, are nonprofit entities within the universities. Therefore, they do not have a goal of showing a profit for their financial disclosures. Third, the financial reporting structure within each university is unique. For example... One athletic department may include a sports pass student fee as revenue. Others may not. This is tied to the inconsistency in how universities choose to handle different revenue streams. The licensing deals may be 90% from sports, but the university may include that revenue in its general balance sheet, not the athletic departments, or maybe 50-50. The point is, they can report that however they'd like. Another example is the university may charge the athletic department the full out-of-state tuition and boarding load for every scholarship athlete, even if a significant number qualify for in-state fees. Additionally, donations, even ones earmarked for athletics, will have a percent cut taken from the university, and donations for large projects are oftentimes held on a separate balance sheet, and at least until that project begins. Uh, and since the only reporting available is a snapshot in time, this revenue stream would not appear until the year the project begins. There are obvious exceptions to this, i.e. Cal, where they are not generating enough from the few revenue sports to offset the 29 plus minus non-revenue sports. This is where Title IX is a financial burden, not speaking to the merit of it, just the finances. But I don't think most athletic departments are hurting for revenue. The point is, most athletic departments operate according to a budget, and the revenue is broken up yearly to allocate enough funds for that budget. It is not an expenses versus revenue comparison like we'd expect to see from a for-profit company. Sorry for the long message. Okay, so basically what we uh, learned right there that see what Folsom is an accountant, and we really appreciate having him around. That's actually super interesting stuff. Um, before we move on, uh, actually here, I'll set the stage again with what actually happened. So the NCAA voted on Monday to, or no, Tuesday, to allow players to profit off their names, images, and likeness. NIL. Uh, and they did this because California, or maybe not because, but also what happened to have happened a month or two ago was that California passed a law saying that in their state, student athletes have to be allowed to do this. It's it's their right. So before, if, if uh, take Stephen Montez, for example, wanted to go coach a quarterback's camp, he couldn't be paid for it. Probably couldn't even take a free meal from it. Um, there's also stuff like he couldn't put his face on a car insurance ad or any of that kind of stuff basically you can't make any money can't sell signatures can't do a whole bunch of different things in january 2021 the ncaa says that all of a sudden that rule will be well not really removed but changed so it's going to be totally different it's going to open things up for players to profit off their likeness it's gonna it's gonna pre, uh, present an opportunity for the ncaa football video game to come back and that's basically what's happening that's what that conversation is about I've given a lot of my takes. I want to hear your take, Ben. How do you feel about that stuff? I'm a little split. Uh, first thing, I'm really excited about the prospect of a new NCAA game. I know. like That's how it has to start, that right? It has to start like that. Uh. I brought an Xbox 360 from Cincinnati to Boulder, Colorado for one Xbox yeah. game, and that's NCAA 14. We're at Ben's apartment in Boulder, and we're we're getting into that at some point. <laughs> yeah, we have to. But I, I'm a do little... Do you update the rosters? Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. you have like Visc on there? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Fun okay, fact, last season have to do he that. had 3,600 yards receiving and 42 touchdowns. <laughs> so, but, but that's besides the point. The, uh. the fact 
of the matter is, is it, it's a complicated situation because the NCAA, while they voted to allow this in a sense, they can still restrict it in any way that they see, see fit. So although the headline reads, yeah, now they're allowing players to profit off their name, likeness, et cetera, they could also slap a restriction on it that says, well, you can't do it with these type of businesses or whatnot, and that could hypothetically rule out almost every business. Like Strava Craft Coffee, probably. Shameless plug. The CBD. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So give them your support because the NCAA probably won't and they deserve it. But but it's just, it's a very complicated situation. I personally believe that, I, I don't think that, players should ever uh, college players in particular should be paid a salary i think that that does come from the scholarship and the benefits of being a student athlete but with that being said i don't think it's anyone's uh right or obligation to say that they can't profit off of their name because if you take a guy like steven montez for example i know he's getting a lot of draft hype and i'm sure that's a whole separate conversation but if he doesn't get drafted or he his nfl career doesn't pan out uh his best chance at making money could have been during his time in college oh for sure I mean, he is, is, people are very opinionated on their opinion on Steven Montez, but he holds a whole lot of records for this university. So it, it's stuff like that that makes me think, why not? Let's let them do it. Because also, I know some student athletes, and I know they can benefit off of that in a way that's not making them millions of dollars, but just helping them pay their rent. I would say right now, like any student athlete who wants a free meal, I will go buy you food if you come on my podcast against the rules right now but yeah i mean it's just like this weird thing where sefa lufau for example he still lives around here i'm pretty sure he's a real estate agent around here and he lives you know sure it, it helps being able to put the name sefa lufau on something when you're trying to sell it right now but it's it's just strange that after all he gave buffs fans you know taking those hits giving us something to watch for hours and hours every week you know reading the stories all of the work that he put in sure got him the education so he could get that job but you know, it, it does feel strange to me that he didn't have any more come of all of that work he did. I, I mean, I guess a tryout with the Ravens, I think it was. Like, you know, it's just strange. Yeah, and, and I think there's a different side to the coin that I don't really see a whole lot of people arguing with. And I think it can really help college football gain popularity. Mm-hmm. Boulder is not, we have a lot of diehard fans, don't get me wrong. But everyone saw the Nebraska game. They saw the flood of red that came in there. What if that could have been prevented by allowing these student-athletes to profit off their likeness because, the way I say that, if they can host an event uh, in in the middle of Boulder and host Mm -hmm. like a football signing and a meet-and-greet with Steven Montez, that might get parents out of the house, bring their kids to it, you pick up some memorabilia. I see it as not necessarily a chance that they, you know, because they could be paid by the venue, not necessarily the parents, but it's all about getting their names out there, gaining popularity for not only themselves, but also the impact that that could make on the Colorado Buffaloes in particular, I think it's something that's kind of overlooked. Uh, Maybe not by athletic director Rick George, because I know he was very instrumental in helping push this through, but I I think there's a lot of different uh, side effects that haven't been thought of all the way through, and I think it just is going to be an interesting situation to watch play out. Yeah, and that really is a flip side that I hadn't thought about, and I hadn't read either, but you know, every time that Steven Montez's face is out there promoting a car dealership, I mean, that car dealership is also promoting Buffs football, like just having all of their faces everywhere, seeing that logo everywhere. And sure, you still see some of these partnerships through the school, but it's not the same thing. You know, treating these kids like, you know, Steven Montez could make a couple bucks off of a, uh, you know, signing event. He makes a deal with whatever bar. Let's call it Blake Street Tavern. He makes a deal (laughs) with Blake Street Tavern to run in there and sign some autographs for a couple hours, make some money. It's a good look for for your star quarterback to be treated that way by the community for for people who may not be big football fans to be like, "Oh wow, this is for real. Look at look at this aura that this program has." I think that that could lead to good things, and that's definitely something that I hadn't thought of. Um, I think that that pretty much sums it up. I don't think there's too much to add. Do you ha- do you have any more thoughts you want to get out? I, I mean, just to kind of conclude with that, there's no. I mean, the publicity from it would be great too. I mean, you see your yep. starting quarterback taking pictures with, uh, you know, uh, two two little kids, and he signs their jersey. I mean, it just I I don't see it having a negative impact because you're still going to make the 3.5 million or however much revenue they made off the Nebraska game as a uh, athletic department. You're still taking in those revenues. I see it as a thing that can operate you know, in both in both facets because the player's going to profit, you're going to make more money because more people are coming to your games and, you know, the players are going to be happier too because they can live a better lifestyle. Speaking of uh, signing jerseys for kids, that reminds me, 
today about the coolest thing to have ever happened happened, and that is that some little girl dressed up like J.J. Tompkins, the Buffs goalkeeper, and it was incredible. Like, made the jersey. It was, like, the same yellow she wears with the gloves. Actually looked just like her. I was showing Dre uh, earlier when we were recording the draft podcast, and I was like, look at this. And he was like, yeah, it's a dope picture. And then I was, like, scrolling through to the other picture, and he was like, oh, wow, that's a little gra- girl dressed up like J.J. I thought you were just showing me a cool picture of J.J. I was like, well, that would actually be really, really weird for me to do. And so I didn't. I showed you this cute little girl. And uh, definitely find that on social media. Buffs, uh, soccer. I'll retweet that. I'll definitely retweet that or something. So find it on my Twitter page. I'm going to plug myself again. Love that. Uh, also, we want to move along to some questions because we got a lot of responses uh, when I called for people to ask us what to talk about. Or, eh, you know, not a great sentence there. Okay, here's what we got from J-Rod, who could have just put it on the website, but he didn't. No, no hate here. Uh, which Pac-12 travel partners are the worst? I'm thinking it's between the SoCal's and the Arizona's. Okay, so so I think he means like let's just say like in football, like not the trip. I think he means like which football teams? So you got Oregon, Oregon State. You've got Washington, Washington State. You've got Cal, Stanford. You've got UCLA, USC. You've got Arizona, Arizona State. And you have Colorado, Utah. So off the bat, I think the Pac-12, so they have two teams in the top 25. Two teams in the top 10. we got to flex that. <laughs> Pac-12 deserves some hype. Things are dark. Uh, but Oregon, Utah, I think you have to take both of them out because they do have the upside. Yes. So then what are you left with? Stanford, Cal, that's not all that impressive. That Cal defense early was pretty solid. Um, I think Arizona, Arizona State is a good, good answer. You know, they aren't. Very middle of the pack. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. USC, UCLA, Washington. I don't think it's Washington, Washington State. Those are good teams. I think I'd go with the Arizonas. I think I would. I think USC has the talent. I think Stanford, Cal edges out Arizona, Arizona State. Thoughts? Uh, I think Arizona, Arizona State, personally. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Want to flip it around and say which are the best? Um... Not Oregon, Oregon State, because Oregon State's so bad. Utah, Colorado. I mean, it's 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 a conversation. Yeah. I'm, dude, this is a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot harder. I, I oh, um. So let's think out loud. So it's not Arizona, Arizona State. No. Uh, you have UCLA, USC. Uh, uh. Here's my hot take. I think the the winner of the UCLA Colorado game is uh is is the team that's the best. Their their travel partners are the best. If Colorado can be good enough pairing with Utah, solid. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Because also UCLA, I don't know if you've seen their non conference schedule, but it's I mean they they lost Cincinnati, uh go Bearcats, uh week one. <laughs> and then they also had to play or or uh, Oklahoma. Like those are two not easy games to play in your non conference schedule. So they're three and five right now, but you take those out and you flip them with a I mean, even Colorado State and Nebraska, the two wins that the Buffs picked up early, and you know we could be talking about a much different game. So I do, but I, but I agree, the winner of that game, I'd pick them as the best travel partners. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh, moving along to Matt Cisneros, our guy. Uh, great question coming in. Will we be happy during homecoming weekend? Uh, so that's a Stanford game. Yes. Uh, so are they gonna win? Well, I think you'll be happy either way if you go to the Breck Brew social event that night. Oh, very true. Yeah. Very true. Good so, plug. So also, the tailgate before. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of opportunities for, for alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. Synonymous <laughs> with each other. Yes. I, I, I honestly, I'm torn because homecoming last year was such a, it, it was a travesty. Honestly, uh, for those of you who might not remember that it was homecoming week, that was the Oregon State fiasco that occurred. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, this is a much different team now. Uh, I'll, you know what? The buffs or the, the the basketball segment in the first part felt a little darker, so I'll go positive here. We're winning it in homecoming week against. I think Stanford. so. I think so. Uh, best part: Ashad Clayton going to be down on the sideline. Uh, love that. He's that four-star running back out of Louisiana. Would be the best recruit the Buffs have if he signs. He's planning on signing pretty quick after that game. Good chance the Buffs get the last word in. Uh, they need that win because they need a Shad Clayton. You know, I, I love Jaron Mangum, Alex Fontenot, Deion Smith. You guys know is kind of my guy. Uh, but you know, I think Fontenot has kind of become what he will become. He's yes. he's he's hit his peak, um, and. What he is is a 
average Pac-12 running back. An average starting Pac-12 running back, which still means he's good, but Ashad Clayton just has this upside. And I think Jaron Mangum has some of it too. Maybe not quite as much, but something similar. They need that win. They're going to get that win. They're going to get Ashad Clayton, and I'm going to be hyped about it. And just to touch on that too, I would take a star running back over running back by committee any day of the week. Yeah, if that's an option. I mean, stopping Joshua Kelly this week is going to be... Next Not to impossible. Yeah, it, like, <laughs> it's a tall order, and it's it's one that I it's definitely going to be the key to the game is whether or not they stop it because if they stop them we're gonna, they they would the buffs will steamroll UCLA if they can not even stop just manage the run game. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Like to go up against a back like that where you know his first big run of the game it, it was early on off the fumble from Eno Benjamin. He takes it to the left edge and. There's a guy waiting for him, and you're like, oh, no gain. He's he's stuffed. And then he just bulldozes the guy, runs up the sideline, picks up 24 yards. It's uh, that's, a, that's the type of stuff that can just break your heart. As a football fan, as a defense, as a defensive coach, you just got to hope that the Buffs can clean up the tackling this week because otherwise they're going to be in trouble. Um, okay, let's get one more in real quick, and we're going to go with, uh, let's save the score prediction. Ooh, will there be a DNVR tailgate? at any of the Buffs basketball games this year? I actually don't know. I, I think they should. I think I, so. This is my first time on the podcast, so my first <laughs> chance to voice it, and I'd say sure. Yeah, I, I would definitely vote for that. I can tell you right now, we don't have any plans. So like the way it works is we, we, we like rent a spot uh, with BST before the football games, and so before every football game, we just have that spot. We don't have like a deal in place to do something like that, but I, I definitely feel like we should. You know, they open the season at home against Oregon, or like the Pac-12 season, and that would be a great time to have a tailgate. If, I'm not sure. they must. People must tailgate those. There must be... I'll be honest. I've never tailgated a basketball game at the yeah. venue before. Huh. Um, I appreciate you not volunteering my apartment, but... Oh, um, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. It's walking distance. Okay, so here's what we're <laughs> going to do. tell them that. Here's what we're going to do. Before every single one of these basketball games, we are all going to just like load up on uh, Breckenridge Brews over at Ben's place. <laughs> There's plenty of room. Oh, is as, that balcony? As long is as that you balcony pack. right there? It is a balcony. Oh, perfect. Okay, as long we're as you in. pack, but um, uh, unfortunately, I've never. I, I don't know what alcohol tastes like. So. Oh yeah, you know, very true. Yeah, exactly. I know you don't because yeah. I have never seen you at a tailgate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, before we move on, I do want to talk um, about our friends at Vita Mobile IV. Uh, someone that you might want to get in touch with if we actually do have these tailgates because our tailgates are a blast. I should also plug our tailgates. So none Saturday, obviously, the bus are out of town. And uh, Sunday, though, before the Broncos play the Browns, a game where both fans will probably uh, <laughs> be partaking, um, we will be having a tailgate in Lot N outside of the Broncos stadium. If you want more details, you can find them on our website, on the Eventbrite. You can I, just tweet me. Uh, again, plug in my Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, definitely come to those. And if you have too good of a time, go to Vita Mobile IV. Actually, you don't go to them. They come to you. You call them. They show up. Uh, they plug you into some machine that makes you feel not hungover. It's like magic. It takes 30 minutes. Ryan Konigsberg can vouch. He's tried it. I've never tried it. I'm scared of needles. Uh, <laughs> but that's basically how it works. They'll come to your dorm room. They'll come to your apartment. They'll come to Ben's place if that's where you end <laughs> up. Um, use the code HYD20. Save 20%. Um, ben, you ever had an IV? Not that I remember. <laughs> so... <laughs> Either I have and it was bad enough that bad to get one, but not not mm. that I remember. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, though, Henry <laughs> and I are going to be at the tailgate, so I don't think you need any other information on Sunday. Very other true. Than that to sell you on it. Very true. Very true. Okay. Um, let's move along to more of these questions because we have a whole bunch. Uh, let's go. Oh, Cole Cook again. Oh, have I been? Oh, Cole Cook was the one who asked. I'm not sure if I plugged his Twitter. Uh, DNVR subscriber Cole Cook, by the way. Uh, he also said, my fiance wants to know if I will ever love her as much as see you. Uh, the answer is obviously no. Uh, <laughs> if, if we're having this conversation, I don't think your love can grow with your wife. Like, I feel like once, once you're married, like you've kind of like hit the love. That's peak, right? gotta be, that is the equivalent of an athletic ceiling. Exactly. Like you're just hoping for a 40 year plateau. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, the buffs, uh, not all that good at football this season which is disappointing <laughs> and as they get better you can love them more so while your your love will grow with the buffs it will plateau with your fiance oh fiance not wife so maybe there's She's still some time before 
The love can still grow, but as soon as that day hits, expect yep. uh, similar results to what you've seen. Yep. It's not a toss-up, but there is still a question. Um, to Ryan Konigsberg. Uh, I haven't felt any feelings since the USC game ended. Should I see someone about that? Thoughts, Ben? I... Yeah, I would. Uh, whether or not it's um, the uh, the IV service coming to you, Vita Mobile. Mm, yes, um, but Bet I, you'll feel that needle. I, I I'd love to quote from the BSN Broncos podcast now, Andrew <laughs> Mason earlier, and you, we all know what kind of show <laughs> is going down there in Dove Valley. But it was funny. Uh, Mace was talking about you know the fans and, and how angry they would be, and they were kind of talking about no shows and whatnot. And he said, anger is good because at least it shows you care and it shows your passion. He said, apathy is when you as an organization need perfect. to start getting worried. That is perfect. And Ryan, when I read your question, it kind of led me to that because that's kind of a it's a it's a tough feeling to have, especially because this team still has a chance. I, I won't fully write off the uh, the Broncos yet, as many probably should, but this team still does have a chance at bowl eligibility. So it's not quite yet time to lose feeling and lose hope. Um, we're getting there. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We, the, the Buffs need to pull off the uh, prayers of all prayers and win three out of four, and, and that includes a stretch with Washington and Utah. But I, I, I still think there's hope. Yeah, and at the very least, like, I mean, I think they beat UCLA. Spoiler, we'll get into that later. Uh, I also think that they beat Stanford, which means that they have two shots to get a bowl game. And I'm, I know they had seven last year and blew them all, uh, but... <laughs> This is the, a different team. Keep the feeling going exactly. until they suck the life out of you. Uh, Cole Cook chiming in with Ryan saying, that's what Breck Brew is for. There you go. Definitely keep that in mind. Uh, not that I'm promoting sad drinking. I'm more of a happy <laughs> drinker, but whatever. Uh, Drink s- enough and you become happy. No, that's dark. Uh, <laughs> Snowbuff CU says, was that play by Stenstrom a mirage, or is the word around the program that he can play? Um, so word around the program... Not super high, I would say. You know, he's he's a backup quarterback. He has plenty to prove. Uh, talented, for sure. It's just a question of, you know, there's there's those things that quarterbacks have to be able to do, and that's not just throw the football. It's lead an offense, run a system. Smart guy, good arm. We'll see what happens. Uh, any takes there from you, Ben? I think when you speak specifically about that play, I mean, first off, Great run, 27-yarder. I mean, Incredible. That, was, that was a pretty good first carry of your college career. Made me excited to see more of him, and then Steven Montez had to decide to be healthy. So I, I have seen Blake's uh, high school tape, and if you haven't seen him, uh, I would check him out because it's pretty impressive because it really shows off his mobility. Very first play on that highlight reel, he ducks out under a sack and, and, and climbs up in the pocket to deliver a nice ball. So was it a mirage? I think that play in particular, you, you really see his legs, his athleticism. I think that's something you can expect. Um, word around the program he can play, again, I can't speak to that much just because they're, they lock it down with the closed practices. And since he's a backup quarterback, we've seen three attempts and one run. He was one for three for 12 yards and a pick in the limited action against Washington State, and then he had that one carry for 27 yards. So it's such a small sample size that it, it's really tough to tell. He also missed a lot of time in the offseason with a, with a foot injury, and so he missed a lot of spring ball, um, and that really kind of hurt his chances, which I do think shows a little bit of confidence because he went from last on this depth chart coming into fall camp and he climbed all the way up to a tie with Lytle at, at number two. So I think there is some signs of optimism, but with any young quarterback in, in college, I mean, it's just really tough to tell until you see him get out on the field and play uh, meaningful snaps. Yeah, and that's one of the toughest parts for media members is that we don't get to see practice. And so we don't have any inside information. I mean, we we hear things, but but we don't get to see things for ourselves. And, you know, I like to flex on being a pretty good evaluator of talent, and I don't want to just trust everything I hear. So I would love to be able to see him, but I've seen one open practice, and that's it. Um, did he look great? No. He, he missed some throws that he should have made. It was also three hours of football for somebody who spent a lifetime playing football. So, again, wait and see. I, I think that it's – I think he'll be in the conversation next year. I don't think it's going to be a, a situation where the Mel Tucker says – you're our guy or you're our guy, whether it's Brendan Lewis, a grad transfer, somebody else. I think that he will be a name in that conversation. We'll see how it goes. Next up is Ben Samples, who says, thoughts on Ken Palm ranking the Buffs men's basketball 37 in the preseason. Are they a lock for the big dance? No, they are not. We wish they were, but 
as as much hype as there is, as many reasons as there are to think that they will make it to the uh, big dance, they they don't have the history. It's not like it's a team where you've seen them do it before and you just need them to repeat it. We need to see what they can do with these expectations. Uh, 37 ranking, though, I'll, I'll let you say. What do you think of the 37 ranking? I personally think it's too low. Me too, yep. But with that being said, there no one is a lock for the big dance. I don't care who you are because... It, it's it's such a long season, and honestly, so much can go right or so much can go wrong for any team. And that goes outside of once Ma- March Madness starts. Obviously, we've now seen a 16 beat a 1 two years ago, but even just getting in there is, I mean, it really does depend. So are they a lock? No. There's a lot of factors involved in it. It's not a very cut and dry system of who's going to make it and who's not. Everyone has their own takes, but ultimately no one knows until Selection Sunday. I personally think this team's going to make it right now, looking in there. I don't think they have any doubts as far as... I, I mean, you also can look at 37 in a preseason poll when this team has not played a minute yet together. I don't know if national uh, people really understand the depth that the Buffs have, and you could see this ranking dramatically changed because first game, November 8th, Friday night in China against Arizona State, that is a huge game to kick off the season. You don't normally see many big games uh, in your non-conference schedule that early. And so I think we could potentially see the Buffs make a jump or also fall, depending on how they do. All right. I think that's all true. Uh, Ted Chalfin, or actually he he hides his identity on Twitter. So forget I said that, but the guy from the podcast, at the Ghost of Marv, says, is Hank going to be at the game in L.A.? And if so, will there be an update on his Tinder adventures and his attractiveness score in that city? Um, so no, I'm actually not making this trip, uh, for a bunch of different reasons that we don't need to dig into, but, uh, I am happy that you asked about Tinder and any time you want an update on my Tinder, I would love to share it with you. Um, most of them, I'm not going to lie, not going to be all that eventful because I still am not good at it. I wish that I could see because, you know, after talking with Ted and Ryan about how Tinder works, you know, eight in Oregon, six in Denver, they say that I'd be like a four in LA because that's just how the scale works. Like you drop down even more. I really want to go in there and get like a couple like big matches just to be like, Hey, look, big matches. Exactly. Like matches. I wanted my Ashad Clayton. Uh, (laughs) Tinder is all about the bio. That is all it is to the game. I know. And I, I always just change mine. I can't can't remember what it It is. It has to be witty enough, but also show that you're cool in a, in a weird way. And I know. And it's like, you guys have heard me Are we going to get a rare look in the bio of Henry? Uh, depends on what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Let's see. Uh, need somebody to stop me from buying everything I see in Insta ads. Working on that for now. It needs it needs a little more wit, a little more, a little, a little more, a little so, more. So here's the update. After this podcast is finished recording, we're gonna work on our Tinder game, just the bios, and yep. we'll go from there. Yep. That seems like a plan. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's important. Okay. Uh, moving along from Tinder, uh, this is actually a real question about Buffs football, and not a joke. Uh, which is pretty rare. Nick Geyer says, who do you think might get drafted from the Buffs? From freshmen to seniors, I want to hear what you may predict for any potential draftees. That's actually a really good question. That's not something that we've dug all that deeply into. Um, So let's start with this year, though. So this year, we have LaVisca obviously getting drafted. Mustafa Johnson has the option to declare early. I I wouldn't be surprised if he takes it. I wouldn't be surprised if he... uh, spends another year tries to up those stats but uh he he will be somebody who's going to get a look in the nfl um more seniors steven montez going to get a look at this point does he get drafted i'd still say i think so but again it's a question mark he will get a shot in the nfl um outside of that you know, maybe Mikhail Onu, I see him more as a guy who uh, sneaks onto a practice squad and could impress. He's a talented guy. Delrick Abrams, another senior. He, you know, I, 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 I again could see him getting a shot. He's played well this season. Uh, any any thoughts on any of those guys, Ben? I, I think you hit it really right on the nose. It's it, the, This class is really top-heavy with LaVisca Chenault. But with that being said... Uh, Visca brings in scouts, and that's what's that's kind true. of important. Is while you know Lavisca Schnault is going to be the one dominating the headlines when he's trying to compete for a first round pick. Think about all of the different scouts that are be watching, not just coming to the games live, but also looking at a Buffs tape, and then all of a sudden they see 
you know, maybe maybe they look at some of our offensive linemen press prospects. Yep. The offensive line, it's it's been good and bad at times, but ultimately going to the NFL, one of the best things is just your skill, not necessarily your skill set, but your size. And there are some big guys that are graduating on this line. And so who knows, there could be a, a trickle-down effect where they, they come for LaVisca Chenault and they leave taking away a couple different buffs to their draft board. Yep, and I, I think Tim Lenott has a shot. I think Arlington Hambright has a shot. Uh, forgot to mention Tony Brown. He's an NFL guy for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that might do it for seniors. Uh, Alex Kinney, the punter, could definitely get a shot somewhere. Drafted, doubt it. Davion Taylor, another guy. I, I think a lot of these guys could wind up, at the very least, in training camps. Looking into the younger guys, though, the juniors. Uh, Nate Landman, I doubt he's going to leave early at this point. I think there's a good chance that he still gets drafted. Um <sighs> Yeah, I mean, just running through this roster, James, uh, James Stefano has a chance. Yeah, I, I that'd think, be interesting. I, I think just as a not necessarily drafted, but I, I would not be surprised to see him get a chance in the preseason, uh, just because. I mean, why not? And and also, I think Katie Nixon also is in a similar boat where um, could be looking at a day three pick. Yep. But you look at his raw skills, what he brings to the table. And you can compare them to any type of kind of slasher guys, people that come in um, and, and are drafted based on, you know, one skill set like speed or maybe not even drafted. And then they can develop into something else. Yep. I, I think it'd be in his best interest to stick around another year. I think that's far from a guarantee at this point. Um, also, William Sherman, he's going to be an NFL guy. I'm confident in that. Uh, who else we got? Terrence Lang. Uh John Van Deest, Carson Wells. I mean, there are a bunch of guys who are a couple good years away. Daniel Arias, he's he has he has the body, 6'4", 205. He has the athleticism. If he gets the production on tape, then for sure he'll have a shot. Uh, Alex Fontenot is an interesting one. I I would doubt it, but again, if he keeps producing like he's producing, he keeps bouncing off tacklers, you never know. Uh, Jalen Sammy, I, I like him. I think that there's a good chance that there's a spot for him at the next level. Um, into the freshman... Obviously, the freshman has to start with K.J. Trujillo. He's an NFL guy. I'll Absolutely. say that right now yes. after six months, three months of college football. He's somebody who will be there. I mean, Dimitri Stanley could step up. Uh, I think that that pretty much sums it all up. Avante Chenault Vontae we could throw in there. Avante Chenault was who I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> I haven't seen pretty much anything out of him you yep. know as but but i expect just based on the name alone he's gonna be getting some looks i mean look at the bosa family you know i mean i i'm sure it didn't yep. hurt that uh, they carried that last name with him and and i will add that yesterday i was talking to kd and i asked him how would you run this offense in the video game if they were to bring the video game back and he said well first he said that he would be quarterback then he uh, changed his tune a little bit, thankfully, and said Steven Montez would actually be the quarterback. And on one side of the field, they'd have LaVisca outside. They'd have KD inside in the slot. Then on the other side of the field, they would put uh, Tony Brown in the slot. They'd put Vontae Chenault outside. So a little bit of hype there. One of the few things we get to hear. Uh, also want to say Mark Perry on the right path. Jaron Mangum could step up. Again, NFL body just needs the production. Um, yeah, I, just the thing with this team is outside of the seniors and, and the juniors, it's just really tough to predict because they all came in with a ton of hype, all of these guys, you know, throughout the roster. Mm -hmm. But we need to be seeing, obviously, more <laughs> before we can yep. make some really actual firm assessments of the sophomore and, and freshman class. Other than KJ Trujillo. He's exactly. an NFL yes, guy. Absolutely. Don't even try to argue with me there. Um, okay. Uh, Will Whalen says, what does happiness feel like? fulfillment the warmth of true love i uh, wish i could tell you i'll let you know once uh i start getting the tinder game in shape uh we'll move on to john desell uh whose name i said wrong if you want to tweet me and roast me for saying your name wrong feel free uh what is your opinion on who will start at quarterback next season any chance we see true fashion brendan lewis start as of right now i'd say he's the favorite grad transfer second and then stenstrom or lytle stepping up third uh any thoughts there ben it's just it's honestly it's so wide open uh, it's it's really tough to predict. I think personally, grad transfer has to be the favorite, just because you don't know who you could get, and then you could end up getting someone who was a you know a four star recruit who has some you know mileage on him, and he's your plug and go guy. After a grad transfer, I would say Stenstrom. I think uh, okay. the boat of confidence with Stenstrom is because he's listed as a co backup with Lytle, 
and Lytle has uh, the years on him. And so I think by making him the, the co-backup, even though Lytle has gone in first every time when the backups have gone in, I think it gives a boat of confidence to Stenstrom that he's able to play. And if you have to pick between the older young guy, that just comes down to the coaching staff. But if they are dead even right now uh, with Stenstrom as just a true freshman, or uh, I'm sorry, a redshirt freshman, I think he would be uh, the guy you go to in this situation and assuming that there's nobody else that's brought in. Yeah, I'm just really excited. Hopefully we get to see these guys play a little bit more because a quarterback competitions frustrating. It's nice to go into a season when you just know who the guy is, but at the same time, a lot of fun, lots of takes, and we'll be following along here at DMVR for sure. Uh, Ali Monroy, you guys know her, uh, says, Is it possible for us to time travel back to the beginning of the season? I was a lot happier back then. Um, so... All I'm going to say is hashtag time travel Hank. I'm a little disappointed nobody responded that. Um, you know who you are, Zach G. Um, but whatever. Uh, Steven Carpenter, what is next for the Buffs after Montez? Hey, we talked about that. How will the offense change under a new quarterback? I say this because I found Montez and Cepho to be somewhat similar in their play style. Uh, I'll, I'll go first on this one. So Montez and Cepho, I think they are pretty similar in their play style. Except that Montez has kind of been coached to be more of that pocket guy, less of a runner. I think that at his core, Montez is more similar to Cepho than he lets on based on how the last few years have gone. Uh, what, how will the offense change? I think they're going to find a little more speed at quarterback. You know, Stenstrom obviously is an option. Uh, Brendan Lewis, a dual threat guy, just puts up 300 and 200 every week at, at the high school level in Texas. Uh, any thoughts from you, Ben? I, I completely agree. I think this offense needs a little bit more juice from quarterback. Uh, and, and I agree. I think Montez has been coached to kind of sit back in there. And it's been success, successful. I mean, he's been the starter for three seasons now. Um, and he owns so many different records here at Colorado that uh, it, it's, it's impossible to say that it was not successful. But I think if you get someone a little bit more dynamic – uh, at QB, it's just going to open up the opportunities, especially playing on the West Coast where we are. Um, there's a lot of high-scoring offenses. I mean, you look no further than who we played, Washington State. I mean, that game was kind of low-scoring for Washington State standards. I think an offense like that could be very exciting. And I think if you get a mobile guy, it obviously wouldn't be the same scheme, uh, but you just can kind of use the backfield by committee that we have already, use the speed at wide receiver, and you could see some explosive plays. And the thing about a mobile guy is that you, you force the other team to not play man coverage. And they're already kind of seeing that with uh, LaVisca. You know, he tore him up in the first half, made him switch to zone. So you have that. But but what you really want is a guy who has the legs to stop them from playing man coverage, which which means, like, obviously, man coverage, you're turning your back to the line of scrimmage, running downfield. There's nobody to stop you from running. Uh, but you also want him to have just the senses to be able to pick apart his own defense. You know, that's what makes Patrick Mahomes so scary. You can't play them man. You can't play them zone. Same thing with Russell Wilson. He'll just beat your zone. Uh, it's it's just something that you would love, love to see the Buffs add because that's that's what college football is kind of built on. Just what what are their strengths? Right now, obviously, the receivers, if, if you can add another rushing threat on top of all of it, it just makes this offense even less likely to fail, even less likely to go cold at spots. I think a player like Jalen Hurts, that situation would be absolutely ideal for the Colorado Buffaloes. Jalen Hurts is mobile. He can run. I mean, he's averaging. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but it has to be close to 100 yards a game on the ground. But on top of that, he, he is not the best quarterback as a pure thrower in college football, and I don't think anyone would make that argument. But he does what he has to do in that offense. It is perfect for him. It's perfect for his skill set. And I think it would work really well here in Boulder. Yep. And now the question is, what does the grad transfer market look like? Can the Buffs compete? Can they, I mean, who knows? KD sticks around. Uh, you have him. You have Vontae. You have Maurice Bell. Daniel Arias steps up. Dimitri Stanley. Uh, probably forgetting somebody. You guys are going to roast me. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have all these options. That might be pretty enticing for a quarterback to want to come to Boulder instead of maybe somewhere with a little bit bigger name, a little more recent success. Uh, D-Lineco asks, should the Buffs tank to try to get Tua? Uh, come on, Eric, you know that that is obviously the best answer. It's a bold uh, thought. I'll give you that. But wouldn't it be perfect? <laughs> wouldn't it be perfect? Uh, fun fact, Tua, when he uh, goes to the NFL next year, will be the only left-handed quarterback in the NFL. Not even any wow. backups. Yeah. 
who was the last starting left-handed? I feel like the Broncos. I almost said Byron Leftwich, <laughs> and I was like, oh wait, no, that's just his name that makes me think that. Uh, obviously, Michael Vick. Um, Are we talking best or latest? Has who's been there? Uh, Gotta talk Tebow. Yeah, Tebow. the same direction there. It might be. Because he stuck around for a couple of years. Too. Okay, it can't be. Yeah, we yeah, can we can move here. along. Uh, Taylor Henry. Oh, and I click something. Taylor Henry. Oh, in the comments at the bottom. Oh no, these just changed the order. I can pick it up. I got it right here. Oh, nice. If CU goes O for the rest of the season, is it a fail? Or is it a year one failure for Mel and company, knowing the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball? Nope, they beat Nebraska. Yep, and they beat, <laughs> and they beat CSU. I mean, I I. No, it is not a failure. Um, I think the offensive side of the ball, obviously, it's really good right now. But next year, it's not like it's awful. You just outlined those receivers. There is a lot of speed on that offensive side of the ball. You're returning all of your best running backs. Your questions, obviously, are QB and offensive line, which, yes, are incredibly important. But assuming they get those figured out, whether that's in-house or transfer, you still have a lot of those skill position players ready to go and to plug in. Yeah, I mean... Three and nine would be a disappointment. Um, you need you need to pull a win out in at least one more game, and you need to show some something like you did against USC. You know, make it a loss if that that you feel like they probably shouldn't have won. That they're able to hang with these teams. You know, this year a, a bowl game would be great. That's that's the goal. But also, if it doesn't happen. Can't be too surprised. It's year one. They've been to one bowl game in the last 13 seasons. So you just want to see progress. You want to see this team look like it's building and the defense is figuring out where it's supposed to be. And, you know, the running game keeps improving. You know, they lose the two offensive linemen. They bring back the running backs. Next year, they should be able to run it back uh, with with the same success that they've had this season. Yeah, I I think Uh, college football is important to realize that it's not a one-year project with a new head coach I think a lot of the time people you get excited you you know the bus start three and one it's looking great Um, and then you know the wheels start to fall off a little bit had a couple tough losses in there and people are calling for Mel Tucker's job and I just think it's important to realize that when you switch head coach uh, head coaches in college right now he's using guys that he may not want necessarily those type of players on his team and so you need to give the coach time to get his guys in there fully implement his scheme build up his own culture and then you reevaluate it at a later time it's not like the NFL where you should be expecting immediate change and I don't even think you should there but specifically in college you can look at many examples across the nation of teams that didn't have the best start in their first year with a new head coach and then all of a sudden they're turning around they're ranked yep I think I think Four and eight is a disappointment, not a failure. Five and seven, it's Solid. tough to complain. Yeah. Six is a success. Uh, we can move along to Blake Benedict uh, at Buffalo, which I really like. Uh, have you seen my baseball? Uh, no, actually. Looking for it. Have, have not. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We've got one more we got to get to from Cole Cook. What is your score prediction for Saturday? Ben, go ahead. I'm going to go 27-23, Buffs on top. Uh, they figure out a way to, like I said, not completely stop the run game. They figure out a way to control it. Montez, I think, has a very efficient game on offense. I think they uh, I think they go out there and get the victory. Yep, I, I, I'm feeling 24-21. That's what I said uh, on the podcast this morning, which I should also plug. I was on the... Oh, come on. I should know these names by now. But uh, it's, a, it's a podcast about L.A. football. I jumped on to talk about the, uh, the Buffs game, obviously. Oh, and that's why I couldn't find it because I was on my wrong Twitter account. I was on the DMVR Buffs account. Uh, not to spoil that, I can run that. Uh, so it is the Believe uh, podcast, B-L-E-A-V, and it's like their L.A. football podcast. I'm sure you guys can find it if you want to listen. I was on for about 15 minutes talking uh, Buffs UCLA. So check that out, too. I think that that's all that we have for you today. Uh, had a blast here with Ben. You're going to hear more from him, see his face in places. Uh, he'll write things as well. It's going to be a blast. Uh, thanks for coming on, Ben. And uh, we will be back on Saturday with a post-game pod. That will be the next time you hear from me. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you.